This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Good morning. How are we? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Thomas. I hear you. I appreciate that. Uh, Charlie's rocking the, the Ryan Bingham voice today. Uh, I was kind of digging that. A little, little rasp there. No, man, it was great. You seen that Friends episode where Phoebe, like, she gets herself sick. It's like that raspy voice. Oh, man, I'm digging it. It's awesome. What's that? I still don't know what you said. I think my, I'm getting older. My hearing's good. Like, all the time, I'm like, what did you say? I don't know. It's fine. It's whatever. I can't see anything anymore. I can't hear. Apparently, it happens. All right. Mark chapter 10. Um, <clears throat> you know what disgusts me about myself? Um, other than the fact that I, I care too much, I work too hard. <laughs> You know, all those, all the normal things. Uh, but, no, but for real, uh, I, I started noticing this more and more, uh, I guess as I, I got a little bit older, maybe grew in my faith some. But it's, I, what disgusts me about myself is how, how deep selfishness runs in me. Like how, how innate, like just this selfish ambition is, is a part of me. Um, like even when I'm doing good things, I can just intermingle this selfish motivation to kind of go right along with it. Like, Rarely do I feel like I'm just have this pure heart, this really pure heart and, and, and mind. Uh, the number of times, right, like I've served Stephanie, I've given, I've given Stephanie a massage with the hope of, of getting something in return, you know, like a little, maybe a little extra attention, maybe an extended hug of some sort. Um, it's, what? It's okay. It's all right. She's my wife. That's okay to talk about here, right? So um, my kids are tuning me out already. It's fine. They're good. So... Uh, you know, the number of times, right, where I have, you know, preached a sermon, and yes, like, I want, I want God to be magnified, I want, I want you to hear, to see, to know God, but also, like, I'd love to be affirmed in my, my skill, right, like, I'd love to be affirmed, like, hey, man, great job, knocked it out of the park, champ, um, you know, like, there, it's just mixes in there, the number of times where I have, you know, told part of the truth, because the whole truth would be embarrassing, right? Or, or, or it would come with consequences that perhaps we can just omit these consequences if I just tell you the part that, that sounds good, right? That it seems like it would, just the number of times that, that I just, like selfishness just runs really, really deep. Like it's, it's just part of, of who I am. I was born that way. It's in my, it's in my DNA. You know, I mean, for all the, the parents who have a newborn, right? The, your baby is born and what do they want? Mom, feed me, hold me, change my diaper, make me warm, wake up at 3 a.m., try again at 4 a.m., right? Like, they're just thinking of themselves from the times they're born. Like, it's just, it is a part of, of the brokenness of the world that we live in. It's also, we have this false view of thinking that I've got to take care of myself. Like, I know that we're not going to, you know, come right out and say, like, that's what I'm thinking, but how often do we think, like, if I don't pursue my own ambitions, pursue my, pursue my own agendas, will it really get taken care of? Right, like will, will God or, or others actually prefer me if I'm just preferring others or am I gonna get walked on or trampled on? And, and th- like there's that, that question mark within our own minds and hearts of if I don't take care of myself, then, then who is? Right, if I don't climb the ladder, no one's climbing the ladder for me. If I don't make this move, no one's making it for me, right? And so it, it just, it runs deep within us, this, this selfish ambition. And yet what we see to Jesus t- today is that he 
came. He chose the path, not of selfish ambition, but of selfless service. It, it was his choice. Philippians 2 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible that if, you, if you're just looking for something to like, you know, think on, meditate on all the time, um, Philippians 2, it says in verse 5, have this mind among yourselves. Let me back up because it gives you the context. Verse three, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That's the command from scripture in Philippians two. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, this mind of humility, this mind of preferring others over yourself. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, though he was God, he was in the essence of God himself, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't hold tightly to his equal status as God. He didn't see that as something for him to hold on to himself, but rather, verse seven, he emptied himself. He let go of his status, his rightful place as king of kings by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because of this posture of humility and service, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus willingly chose the path of selfless service rather than the path of selfish ambition. He chose to walk on this path and it was to God's glory, to his joy, and to our good. And if you and I are gonna follow Jesus today, if today you would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I am a Christian, I am his, or if you are considering following Christ, or you want to follow Christ one day, then we have to recognize and own that we are called to walk the same path of selfless service to the glory of God, to the good of others, and to our joy. We see here in Mark chapter 10, right on verse 32, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Right? We see Jesus, he's on the road to Jerusalem, and he's out front. He's leading the way. Or the others are following behind him. Jesus is, is out front leading the way. No one needs to tell him where to go. No one needs to tell him what to do. He is setting the pace. I love what Luke says in chapter nine. He says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. There was this turning point in the ministry of Jesus that we're seeing in the gospel of Mark, where Jesus, he spent his days healing and serving the towns, and then the point came when he set his face to Jerusalem. He fixed his eyes on Jerusalem, and he was out front leading the way. No one had to take his hand and carry him. He chose, he was resolved. You ever seen someone just locked in? I mean, they're like, their face is fixed, their body posture is resolved, and there is no deterring them. The Olympics are happening right now, 
man, to be an Olympic athlete, you kind of see, man, they're in the zone, right? You see them get ready, and they are locked in. They got their eyes on the finish line. They're not looking around them, right? You see this sometimes with mamas. Somebody hurts their baby. Like, they will run through a wall to get, right? Like, there's no, there, you just don't stop mama bear, right? You just get out of the way. She will take you out. This is Jesus. He's locked in to Jerusalem. And it says that the disciples and all the people following him were both simultaneously amazed and afraid. Why? Because of what he says he's going to. He tells them, verse 33 we're going up to jerusalem got it and the son of man that's himself will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the gentiles and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him and after three days he will rise that's why they're afraid and amazed they're afraid because the, the person they're following is openly saying that he's going to Jerusalem where he will be killed, right? And, and they're like, if, if this is what's going to happen to you, what's going to happen to us? If, if we've left all to follow you and then you're going to die, well then, what happens to us? And they're also simultaneously amazed because he is knowingly walking to Jerusalem, to the cross, he knows what awaits him. He knows the weight and the burden and the load of sacrificially serving others to the point of death. It's not a, it's not a question mark. It's not an understanding. He's not thinking like, man, can I talk my way out of this? But he prays in the garden, Father, God, if there's a way for this cup to pass me, let it pass. Nevertheless, your will, not mine. Jesus knows what awaits. He knows the burden. He's sweating blood the night that he's arrested because there's such a stress and a weight and a pressure put on him for the, for the cross that is to come. He knows it is there, and yet he knowingly resolves and sets his face to go to Jerusalem to serve others to the point of death. Man, how easy is it for me to find my excuse from serving when I know that it's gonna be tough? Or when I know that it's going to be hard, how easy is it for me to justify, ah, someone else will get it done, right? Let me, let me let them have the blessing of serving. How easy is it for me to find some reason that I gotta stay back? Man, I gotta, I gotta, have, some, gotta have some me time, I gotta decompress, get some mental health, you know? I gotta take care of myself. How easy is it for me to, to say no because of the fear of rejection or the fear of suffering or the fear of hurt? How easy is it for me to elevate my own comfort and preferences over the path of serving others? Right? Oh, come on, I'm not alone in this. How easy is it for me to seek my own selfish ambition rather than lay down my selfish ambition and pick up the preference of another? It's so easy for me to do that, and yet Jesus, knowing that the cross waits for him in Jerusalem, 
fixes his face on Jerusalem, sets out in front, and leads the way to selfless service. One of the reasons that it is worth following Jesus and that you can trust him is that he never asks anything of you that he doesn't first do himself. You wanna know how to be a leader? Don't ask anything of anyone else that you haven't or won't do yourself. Did you grab that? You wanna go have a job one day? You wanna lead people? You wanna, you wanna manage? You wanna, like, don't ever ask of any of your employees or your kids or your spouse or your roommate, don't ask anything of them that you haven't or won't do yourself. That's a leader. That's a servant leader. That's the leader that Jesus is. He calls us to selfless service, but he leads the way. He models it. He goes first, always. That's the kind of person that we can follow. That's the kind of boss that we want to follow. That's the kind of spouse that we want to follow, right? That's the kind of friends that we want to follow. That's who Jesus is as he leads the way in selfless service. But, but for us, James and John and the other disciples, right, selfishness runs deep. Right? Selfishness runs, runs real deep, as we see here with James and John, verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come up to Jesus and say to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. That's a bold ask, right? If you're wondering, like, it's just as, as audacious in the Greek as it is in English, you're like, did he really say that? Maybe they just edited it. No, no, that's what they said. Like, Jesus is out front leading the way to Jerusalem, and he, this is the third time he's told them, hey, we're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. And, but, but they're looking at it, and they're like, okay, I'm not real sure what Jesus is talking about. We just know he's the Messiah, and he's coming to bring in the kingdom of God. And so somehow, some way, Jesus is going to end on top here. And so they take their opportunity, right? They scurry on up to the front. They lead those in the back, and like, Jesus, hey, man, hey, hey. We want you to do whatever we ask of you. Okay, that's a bold request, right? Like, do y'all feel that a little bit? We're kind of quiet today. Anybody, something like you feel the, the awkwardness of that, the tension of that, hey, hey, whatever I ask of you to do, I want you to do. And so maybe, let's not read ahead. Let's imagine that we didn't just, Priscilla didn't just read all this, right? Maybe they're, they're really like trying to get to the place where they can go, okay, let us go first, right? Maybe they're gonna try to go out in front, right? Save Jesus. Maybe they're gonna ask him something like, hey, do whatever we, we ask you to do. Okay, boys, what do you want? We wanna serve you, right? Maybe that's what they're getting at, you know? Like maybe they're, they're trying to get this bold request just so they can then, you know, serve Jesus. But that's wishful thinking. We're not that selfless of people, right? So Jesus, he literally says, I'm on the way to Jerusalem to do what? To die, and not just die, but in a horrific, painful, humiliating way, and James and John are like, hey, we got a question for you. Jesus, okay, what do you want me to do for you? I, the grace of Jesus is astounding. <laughs> it's just straight astounding. What, what, what do you want me to do for you, boys? What do you, what do you got? Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand in glory. Let's put ourselves in this situation, okay? 
You got Jesus. Hey guys, we're on our way to Jerusalem. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna be mocked. I'm gonna be flogged. I'm gonna be spit on. I'm gonna be humiliated. Then I'm gonna rise from the dead, right? James and John, hey, will you take us to the top with you? <laughs> like you do that part, and then when you get to that resurrection part, lift us up with you. You can be number one, Jesus. At least they got that part right. Make us number two and three, right? Jesus, James, John, the three J's. We'll crush it, you know? <laughs> like Jesus is just pouring his heart out. He's about to sweat blood from the stress and the pressure of this calling. And James and John are like, what if? What if, Jesus, you exalt us with you? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, how dense do you have to be to realize, A of all, this ain't the time. Like, read the room, boys. Jesus just told you he's about to die. Read the room, at least wait a little bit. Like, let the tension, the emotion die down some. You know, maybe sit down, cook him some fish or something. B of all, what are you thinking? Like, that's so insensitive and selfish. Like, Jesus, you're just the means to our end. Let's call it what it is. Jesus, will you do this for me? Jesus, will you do the work, and I'm just going to soak up the blessing. I'm just gonna get the good stuff. Like, it's, it's baffling. And that's what they're asking. And this selfishness, what, what selfishness does is it blinds us to the reality and truth around us. Right, selfishness just turns us inward. We're just looking at ourselves and so we can't see others around us. We can't see reality and truth around us. And so Jesus, he goes, boys, you don't even know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? The, the cup is a symbolic way of describing his, his lot in life, his specific calling given from God. Are you able to, to drink the cup of suffering and death at the hands of God's wrath? That's his cup. He just described it a few verses earlier. Are you able to, to drink the cup of suffering and death at the hands of God's wrath? The word baptism means an immersion, a full surrounding of, right? So Jesus was baptized in the river. He was immersed fully under the water, and then he was raised out of the river. And so Jesus is saying that the baptism he has is that he is going to be fully immersed by the sins of the world and then resurrected from the dead. And so Jesus says, boys, are you able to suffer and die at the wrath of God because the sins of the world are placed on you and then rise from the dead in order to offer new life to the world? And they're like, we got this. We can do it. Like the clear and obvious answer is no. Probably with an emphasis on the front end of that. Like no, 
No, we can't die at the wrath of God for the sins of the world and rise from the dead. No. But they're so inwardly focused, they're so focused on their own agenda and glory and exaltation that they can't even see the most, re- like the most real situation in front of them. They can know they're blinded to their own selfishness and ignorance and insensitivity because selfishness just turns us inward. We can say and do the, the stupidest and rudest and most obnoxious things and not even see it. Just be blind to that reality. Yeah, Jesus, we can, we can do that. We, we, can, we can suffer and die for the sins of the world. Check. Jesus, he's like, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you, you will be baptized. Jesus is saying, you, you, yes, you're going to walk the path of suffering and service. And you're going to be baptized the way where, where the sins of, your sins are going to be washed clean and resurrected, right? He's speaking that they're going to receive what he receives. He, he's leading the way. They're, they're not going to take his place, but they're going to follow behind him and receive what he receives. Walk the path that he walks. But Jesus says the, the position of exaltation and glory, that's for God the Father to give. God exalts whom he wants to exalt. God places whom he wants to place. But the pathway to glory and to greatness is not one of selfish ambition. It's one of selfless service. They don't even see the path that Jesus is walking because they're so inwardly focused. We see the other 10, right? They get mad at James and John. They're indignant. But but not because James and John were knuckleheads and were stupid and insensitive, but because they beat him to the punch. Right, this, this conversation is not new. The, the, the disciples, the, the other times where Jesus is like, hey, I'm gonna die, and they're like, I wonder which one of us is the greatest. Right, like there's just this pattern in humanity of selfish ambition, of seeking the glory of oneself. And so they're, they're mad and they're indignant, you know, with, with James and John because their focus is self-exaltation, self-greatness, self-glory. Their focus is Jesus is the means to their exaltation. Jesus is the means to their end. Jesus is here to serve them and they're here to receive Jesus' blessings. Even when Jesus says, I'm on my way to die, their thoughts are, great, can you use that to lift me up? Can your death serve my end? The audacity of the disciples Good thing we never treat Jesus as a means to our end. Good thing we never sit down to have a conversation with God and just start rolling out our requests. God, will you do this for me? 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 Great. I'm going to go live my life. Good thing we never thank God for his blessing so that we can just receive his goodness. Good thing, good thing we're never selfish like the disciples. That would be embarrassing, right? Good thing. So often, y'all, my heart is wickedly selfish. So often, I woke up this morning 
It was embarrassing, honestly. I woke up this morning, I, I literally just started praying for the things that I wanted to be different. And then I pulled up my sermon to reflect on it. I was like, oh my gosh, like, are you kidding me? Like, that's real time, you know? It's just, it just, it's so prevalent in us. It's so prevalent. I think what amazes me most about God that we see in Jesus is his incredible patience with us. Like, I, I would have lost it a long time ago. I'd have been like, all right, let's try out a new 12. Because you guys, you know? But his patience, like Jesus, he doesn't condemn, he doesn't beat them over the head. Like, I would have, I would have probably punched him in the face and like, all right, we're out, we're done. Like, you know, but he doesn't. He, he, he doesn't. The only time you really see Jesus get frustrated is with the, the religious people that really don't love God, they love themselves, and they just kind of put religion on top of it but they don't really want to change their heart. They don't really want to follow Jesus. They just want this religious practice that makes them feel good. That's the only people Jesus really gets frustrated with. But the, James and John, they, they, they truly do love God. They, they just don't have a clear picture of what it means to follow Jesus yet. They're just a work in progress. They just, they're a work in progress. They genuinely want to follow Jesus. They just don't fully get it yet. They're, they're just still knuckleheads. They're still just growing up which I'm grateful for because now I'm the chief of, of works in progress. Like the number of times I think, gosh, I should be past this already, you know? And so praise God that he's patient with a work in progress. He's patient with someone who will go, I got it wrong again. Because that leaves a lot of room for me and I'm gonna guess probably for you as well. But he doesn't condemn them. He doesn't beat them up. He just lovingly corrects them. He just lovingly takes their eyes and says, hey, you're looking over here at selfish ambition. Let me show you where real life is. Let me show you the path of true... Exactly. That's exactly what was next. He says, let me show you the path of true greatness. And so he calls the disciples to them. Verse 42 he says, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. The word Gentile simply means um, one that is not um, following or trusting God, right? So the Bible paints the, the world as, as there's two ways of living, and that's it. We're either following God and living as a part of his kingdom, as a part of his family, or we are living for ourselves, following the way of the world, following the prince of the earth, the devil. There's two, two places. There's no middle ground. There's no third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh option, right? It's one of two places. We're either following Jesus and we've trusted in him or we're going our own way. And, and anyone who's a Gentile, according you know, when the word Gentile is used here, is someone who's not following Jesus, someone who hasn't trusted in him as, as God, as the one true God. And so Jesus says, man, the way that the Gentiles live, the way that the world lives is that they're seeking power. They're seeking fame. They're seeking to climb to the top and to, to really stand over people. They're seeking to build their own kingdom, their own name, their own reputation. They want to have prestige and clout. They want to feel strong about themselves. They want to make a name for themselves. They want to have more followers and more likes more notifications. 
more people seeing how beautiful or how pretty or how whatever they are. That's their aim, that's their ambition, is to make themselves as great as they possibly can in this world. But, Jesus says, that is not how it shall be for us. It's not how it shall be among you. We live differently. We have a different way of living, Jesus says. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Look, there, there is a desire in us to be great. It, it's part of our human nature. There's a desire in us to, to do great things, to make an impact. And Jesus says, okay, but the pathway to true greatness is one of humility, not pride. It's one of selfless service, not selfish ambition. And God the Father is the one that will reward you and exalt you in eternity. Listen, we can live for this day, we can live for this world, we can live for this life, we can lay everything down to climb this mountain, but for those who have climbed the mountain of this world, they all say when you get there, there's nothing there. There's nothing at the top. So we can chase after it, or we can follow the way of Jesus, which is one of selfless service, and trust that that is the way of true greatness in the kingdom of God. To be a servant of all, to, to lay our lives down. And I love the, the end of that. You must be a slave of all. Of all. Male, female, rich, poor, black, white, healthy, sick, those who look like us and those who don't, those who have the same sexual identities as us, those who don't, those who are nice, those who are mean, those who will return the favors and those who will just take from us. We are to be a servant to all. And again, the reason we can trust that this life is worth it is because Jesus leads the way. Because Jesus doesn't call us to do anything. He doesn't call us to be a servant to all, having not first done it himself which is what he tells us in verse 45. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word ransom is what you and I know it to be. It's to pay the price for a freedom. Pays the price for a rescue. When, when you and I sinned, when we went our own way, which the Bible says we all have, none of us have lived perfectly with God, the Bible says that we become a slave to the devil. We become a, a slave. We become servants to the devil. We have walked away from being a part of God's kingdom, and we have aligned ourselves into the kingdom of this world where Satan is the ruler and the father. And in order for us to be freed from the captivity of sin, from the domain of darkness, 
a price must be paid. And that price is the death of the sinner. So if you and I are going to pay that price, and that means that we are going to eternally be separated from God. And so Jesus came to pay that price for us. He came to take our sins on himself. 2 Corinthians 5 says God made Jesus, who was sinless, to be our sin to be the sinner in our place so that you and I could become the righteousness of Jesus. That's why he came to pay the ransom. In John 13, it it says on the night when he was betrayed, right? he he sat around with his disciples and he pulled out a, a bowl of water and he began to wash the dirt off of their feet. And it was a picture of him washing away our sins washing away the the guilt, the debt that we had against God. And you know who was in that circle? Judas. The one who minutes later would leave and go and betray Jesus to the cross for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus becomes a servant to all, picks up Judas' feet and washes the dirt off of Judas' feet. That's why he can tell us to go be a servant to all. Jesus is nailed to the cross and he looks down at the ones who are gambling for his clothes, who have nailed him there, and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's a servant to the ones that nailed him to the tree. That's why he can tell us to be a servant to all. Because he goes first. Because he pays the ransom for any who will trust him. And he sets us free from our sin. And he moves us, Colossians says, from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. That spiritually, when God looks at us, if we've trusted Jesus, he sees Jesus in front of us. We are called righteous because Jesus stands in front of us and God sees the righteousness of Jesus over us. That's how Jesus serves us. There's a ransom, paid the price. One of my favorite verses, it's just so full of imagery, is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Heaven is is his. It is his rightful place. You know how tough it is to lay down our rights for another? I mean, when I think I'm right, I will fight you tooth and nail. When I know I'm right, I will dig my heels in. Man, we will, we will go the full distance. It's so easy when I think or know I'm right to just assume you're wrong. Jesus was rightfully the king of kings and he willingly let go of that position in order to come and serve those who were wrong. He's rich in heaven and he makes himself poor. Why? So that you and I who are poor can be lifted up to his wealth. Jesus, the king, does not pursue a selfish ambition. If that was his aim, he would have never come. 
If that was his aim, it would only be the morally good enough, which none of us are going to make it, who would even have a chance to engage with him. But Jesus doesn't pursue selfish ambition. He doesn't come to be served by you and me. Instead, Jesus, our king, chooses to serve all. That includes you and me. And Hebrews 12 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and despised its shame. This path of selfless service was the path of greatest joy for Jesus. Do you believe that for Jesus? Do you believe that this path of service was the path of greatest joy for Jesus? It's what Hebrews tells us. And if it's his greatest joy, sure as heck can be our greatest joy. But will we trust it? Will we trust him? Or are we gonna keep thinking, man, I gotta go after my own? No, I can't lay my life down. I can't serve my spouse here. I've got, I can't serve my coworker here. I can't serve my boss here. I've got, you know, will we trust? The son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And if you and I are gonna follow Jesus, that is our calling and path for the glory of God and the good of the world and for our joy. So as we wrap up some practical things to do here, what, like, what, what are you gonna do? Just no more selfishness, right? Are you just gonna muscle your way through it? <laughs> like, that's it, it's the end of selfishness forever. Like, come on. Well, so what are we gonna do? Well, I mean, that, that, is a, that is a start. The first start is to repent in our hearts. Let's own the fact that we are wickedly selfish. Let's own the fact that we are no better than James and John here. Okay, let's own the fact that we oftentimes just want God to do for us what we want rather than say, hey, whatever you want, God, I'm in. Let's just, let's humbly admit that we are on the same playing field as James and John. And let's repent. Let's turn from that. God is patient Right? He's, not, he's not standing to condemn us. He's waiting to receive us. Let's repent from our selfishness. Let's repent and turn from our selfish ambition. It does. It starts in our hearts. And then practically, you know, if we think that we are going to walk the path of Jesus and not spend time with him, we are kidding ourselves. We're not going to learn anything if we don't spend time in that field. You want to be a, a doctor? Well, there's a pathway of education and a residency and following in the footsteps of those that go before us. It's the same with Jesus. We're not going to be like Jesus if we don't spend time with Jesus. We have to press into him. And what the scripture says is that he, from the inside out, will transform us to be more like himself. He will transform our, our minds and our hearts. So we press into to Jesus that we may be more like Jesus. We, we regularly confess and repent and ask forgiveness. I don't know how good you are or we are with telling others, hey, I screwed up and I'm sorry. And let me just go ahead and say, an apology is not I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry if I was wrong. An apology is not I'm sorry but you were a jerk. Right, like the, an apology is I'm sorry for fill in the blank. Right? It's, I'm sorry for being a jerk face. Period. End. 
right? So we, we, let's, get, let's get regular at confessing and asking forgiveness. You know where that's hardest? The people we're closest with. This would be the easiest, and yet we're like, nope. You apologize to me. Let's be quick in confessing our selfishness and repenting of it. It's for your joy, it's for your good. And then let's put to action steps of selfless service. Learn the love languages of those that you live with. Learn their love languages, not yours. Don't love them in the way that you like to be loved because then you're really just loving yourself. Learn how they receive love and then give it and do it. Love them in the way that they feel loved in the same way that God does for us. In your job, what would it look like if you were equally concerned about your boss's bonus as much as yours? What would it look like if you were equally, if not more concerned about your coworker's promotion as much as yours? That is radically different than the world operates. Kind of like Jesus, who was radically different than the way the world operates. What about with those who are in need? Fostering hope. There are foster parents that need licensed babysitters so they can just get their head above water and take a breath. Are we willing to rearrange our schedule so that we can serve the least of these, the angel house, serving those who need a hot meal? Or are we willing to serve those who are different than us, who might take advantage of our generosity, much like we do with Jesus? At your church, are you serving your church? Maybe this isn't your church home for some of you. You're just visiting, cool. Go back to your church home and serve. Serve your family. Tithe or give financially. God doesn't need your money. He's fine. His bank account is rolling. God calls us to give so that we can practice being generous and selfless, so that we can let go of a little thing that holds so tightly to us. Serve kids you know how often these kids are going to tell you thank you? Nailed it, that's it. As many times as you just said. And yet Jesus is scooping them up. Take out the trash. Beat RJ to the punch. Sorry, man, he's, you typically get to it. Last, trust the Spirit of Christ in you. you. You and I can, we can walk a path of selfless service because Jesus already walked that path. And when we trust him, he gives us his spirit to walk as he walked. You ever try to teach a kid to ride a bike or do addition or anything, right? Where you're like, you can do this. You're just pleading with them. Like, it's, you have it in you to do this. But you're just trying to convince them that they actually have it in them to do that. You know what I'm talking about? By the spirit of Jesus in you, we can live a life of selfless service.
I think sometimes we just don't know that we're able. We just kind of think we're destined to fail. Well, you know what? You're not. You're not destined to fail because Jesus has already won. He rose from the dead. He conquered over sin and death. And we have the spirit of the living Savior in us. So no, we can walk as selfless servants. Are we going to mess up? Sure. Can we confess, repent, and start over? Yes. And that's what we're going to do. So for the glory of God, for the good of your friends and neighbors and spouses and family, and for your joy, lay down the path of selfish ambition Pick up the path of selfless service and follow Jesus who leads the way. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.